Hi, this is Carolyn McCormick, who played Minuet, and you're listening to The Greatest Generation. Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Catherine Janeway, the USS Voyager. Captain Catherine Janeway, the USS Voyager. Captain Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Oh boy, Adam. Hey, you remember that chest nubbin I had a long time ago? Chest nubbin? Yeah. Do I? I had that chest nubbin? <laughs> I remember. I mean, he was, he was the third host of the show for a while. Really was. I got something. I don't know what this is, man. I thought it was like a like a, a bug bite or something. I have like a cluster of chest nubbins now. Oh, no. And I'm, it like went from like last week, I got this like early in the week. I was like, haha, funny. Got some weird bug bite and it was itchy. Uh-huh. And now it's like, it's like shoot. It feels like I broke a rib. It's so fucking painful. Oh, no. I've been like wincing all day. Hey. Yeah. Why don't you, uh, why don't you show the the viewing audience what we're working with here all right you want me to you want me to lift up my shirt and show yeah. you my nubbins yeah let's see we gotta we gotta do an oh no look at that yeah very very painful are you using got, uh an unguent or uh or any other topical cream for that guy yeah i tried lanocaine and i tried cortisone and neither of them did anything and this is the same sort of beast as the last one, or do you are you confident this is something different? This is a different nubbin phenomenon. Diagnosing a medical condition is really like it's your specialty. One of the core <laughs> things we do on the Greatest Generation. So it's been a while yeah. since we had one of these episodes. It's like a little cluster of dots, and it's like, can you pop them? Can you stab them? No, they're not like sacks. They're they're just. They're not vesicles. I, I, I know we're, we're like causing people to push their bowl of magic spoon away from them in disgust and horror right what now. What happens when you when you apply a lot of heat, like a lot of heat, like a hairdryer? Oh, well, I did a, a hot compress mm-hmm. one night, and mm-hmm. that seemed to be basically ineffective as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of a puzzle what it even is. I got a doctor's appointment tomorrow, but I should have made, I should have, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, this is a fucking rash and it's going to go away three days from now. And then like eight days later, you're like, well, I should have made a doctor's appointment and now he can only see me like next week. I don't know, Ben. (laughs) I mean, I've got perfect skin all the time, so I don't really know what problems like these are like. You do. You're a... (laughs) Field of unbroken alabaster, <laughs> as as pure as the driven snow. You're just quoting uh, song lyrics at me at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ben, I saw you in real life recently. That never happens. I know. Yeah, we, we socialized. My lovely wife had you and your lovely wife over. Actually, I won't... You know what? Putting it that way is too generous to me and my wife. You <laughs> insisted that you were coming over... As if you could tell that we really needed some company, and we did. Well, I texted you on a Saturday afternoon, and I said, hey, do you guys have plans? And you said, no, come over. Yeah. You came right over. You you came over with uh, some Beard Papa. Yeah. I came correct with some pizza. That was a great combination. And we proceeded 
to get fucking smashed. It was <laughs> it was old school. Old school drunk rules for me. Yeah. It was fun. I really went for it. Felt great to do. Yeah. It's been a while since I tied one on like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's been a, a while since I bang banged Beard Papa and Pizza. Which, oh, yeah. Um, that used to be feeling. a thing I did all the time in college. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean- that was part of your your singles profile, though, right? Like Beard Papa, right. four twenty friendly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why nobody ever went on a date with me in college. Yeah, I went on two dates in college. One of which of the type that I had not had enough self confidence to make it clear that I was inviting the young lady in question on a date in the invite. So she found out it was a date during the date. Oh, gotta make it clear. Yeah. Yeah. That's the kind of awkward doofus I was in college. I mean, a lot of people make those mistakes in college. You know, yeah. you, you you figure out how to do a lot of things Yeah, in college. Mm-hmm. Figure out how to not do a lot of things in college. I figured out how to make myself cringe for the rest of my life in college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, luckily, you grew up to be a totally well-rounded, put-together person who can go uh, toe-to-toe for me on the drinking battlefield. <laughs> we were mixing it all up. Yeah, we did. We we had some fun drinks. We had uh, some nice mezcal. We had some nice uh, some nice wine. Mm-hmm. That glue glue. Some nice uh, yeah. sipping tequila. Yeah, it was great. It was great all around. And yeah. uh, and just a really, I didn't realize until after you had gone just how needed that kind of hang was. Yeah, man. I feel like I've been monk. For a long time. <laughs> we have been kind of selective about how much socializing we've done, especially during the Kron surge. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we kind of skipped a month of, of hangs because of the Kron surge. Definitely did. But, uh, you know, I guess we're just going to have to get used to having to sort of make game day decisions about how much socializing we do. Yeah, and I like the game day decision we made. Uh, So far, so good. It worked out. I even felt great the next day, which I did not deserve. (laughs) You paid for a great day with some Broads. Yeah, I got a freebie. Thanks to Broad. (laughs) Our good friends at the Broad Company. Oh, man. Well, um, I thought that this was another episode that really by all rights, should have been a Coco no-no. We should have been tying another one on today, Mm. Adam. Yeah. Yeah, instead, it's Stone Cold Sober. (laughs) (laughs) At least on this end, as we discuss Star Trek Voyager Season 3, Episode 14, Alter Ego. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. (laughs) An episode directed by Robert Picardo. Yeah. Welcome to the uh, directing stable, yeah, Mr. Picardo. If you're wondering where he is on the show, he's behind the camera. Yeah. He's behind he- the camera, and in the one scene he gets in front of the camera, he's making out with people. <laughs> Do you think that was a... Uh, he, he made that like a, a requirement of his contract for directing? Like, I do need to be able to get to make out with a couple of hot 20-year-olds. Yeah. I mean, uh, director's prerogative, I guess. As long as you're not a creep about it. Okay. You know what? That raises an interesting question. Like, I would be extremely self-conscious 
about as a director a, yeah to be directing myself in a scene like that one down the road maybe we should start at the beginning and we'll work ourselves up into that scene ben okay that sounds good uh so i don't want to go out of order we never do that <laughs> it would be inverting the order of the show yeah it would be like um another director that occasionally puts himself in a in retrospect regrettable scene quentin tarantino with pulp fiction going out of order how dare you again you just it's a reach ben really reaching uh we start this episode the beginning of this episode is a captain's log about how they're investigating something called an inversion nebula this is a type of nebula that shouldn't be this nebula is wrong it is an abomination that should be destroyed it should yeah. be taken off the map. Just because it's old? It's, it's older than it should be? Yeah. It's one of those uh, space bodies that you only read about. So few people ever see them. Yeah. And that's why the Voyager is parked next door. Yeah. Taking a good long look at this thing before it blinks out of existence. That's what the expectation is anyway. I really loved this opening camera move on the bridge. We start on the captain and the camera kind of swoops around the bridge uh, and then creates a three shot with the captain, Paris and Chakotay, who's over at like a little science station off in the corner and then pivots around to show us Harry Kim off at the ops station just with his head in the clouds. Mr. Kim. Sorry, Captain. It's a bit on the nose, Harry, to space out in space. Mm, That's good. That's really good. Head in the clouds near a nebula. Oh, yeah. I got that part of it, too. It was like, it was double good. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> Harry, Harry uh, kind of snaps to, and they're, you know, they're doing some science and scanning the nebula and uh, get, getting a sense of uh, what's going on with this thing. It seems like this episode takes a little while to establish why they're so interested in this thing. Like, <laughs> This may be recency bias, but the last time they saw like a once in a lifetime spatial phenomena, it went really bad and was very dangerous. Yeah, it was Q war. (laughs) (laughs) The episode does head fake me in this cold open because I thought this is going to be an episode about why everyone dunks on Tuvok and Mm. why can't it be okay that everyone likes different things in a different way? Because (laughs) while Kim is sort of zoning off, into space he sure does snap to square in time to dunk on tuvok along with everyone else yeah yeah (laughs) it's mean and when we cut to tuvok's quarters after i'm like oh yeah this is what it's going to be about the solitude of tuvok tuvok doing some bum out jenga in his quarters by himself yeah yeah he's playing with his tuvok toys (laughs) which used to be made out of wood ben it's sad you try to buy tuvok toys now uh, they're just Cheap all plastic. plastic imitations of the former glory of Tuvok toys. Yeah. Kim shows up. Do you think that at, uh, at like beer halls in, uh, on Planet Vulcan, they have this game, but it's like entire two by fours <laughs> and it's huge? <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> something fun about making it a large scale thing. <laughs> like a Calder? yeah exactly yeah authentic Kim walks into Tuvok's quarters with a VHS cassette of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind and is like you want to watch this with me and then show me how this can be done I'm willing to learn (laughs) 
Tuvok is like, uh, that's early Gondry, but I would consider it minor Gondry. Ooh. Now I'm going to start to dunk on Tuvok. <laughs> he's, a, he's a much bigger uh, Be Kind Rewind fan. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, it, it, it sort of came and went in its time, but in retrospect is, is a movie with just an amazing moral center to it and a ton of heart. Yeah, I mean, I don't... That's what Tuvok loves about <laughs> I don't really care for comparing movies in that way. I like to construct sort of custom rating systems for them. Mm. Kim tells Tuvok that uh, he's got a crush yeah. on a hollow lady. Her name's Morena. And uh, she's Vulcan, so he wants to convert late in life. That's the problem. <laughs> I see. <laughs> and for some reason, Tuvok is the only one that can help. I thought... Everything about this episode has to do with this choice, right? Why Kim chooses Tuvok. Of all people. I understand it completely, Adam. Kim has been on Pon Far for like over a decade now. Ever since Kim came of age, he's been as uncomfortable with his radiant sexuality as a Vulcan is for a brief period once every seven years. Is this why Tuvok tries to deploy the uh, the Savic finger bang? Technique. <laughs> you must delete the program and then proceed to whack those fingers. Vulcans use certain techniques. <laughs> until you feel relief. There are uh, deleted scenes from subsequent episodes that imply that Tuvok is burying Kim's child. <laughs> I think Kim went to the wrong person. You know who Kim should have asked about having his mind erased? One Dr. Bashir, <laughs> whose only suggested course of action would be lobotomy. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately not reachable on yeah. this side of the uh, galaxy. Hollow Bashir should have made a comeback. Hollow yeah. Bashir, the foremost doctor in the area of lobotomy and memory yeah. erasure. Yeah. I don't remember being attracted to anyone. <laughs> My earliest memory is waking up in an infirmary, smelling the faint odor of urine. The greatest tragedy of my lobotomy is that I do not remember how to masturbate. <laughs> People say, rub one out, and I look down and I see two things to rub. So what are they talking about? After the theme, Tuvok and Kim uh, walk a corridor and Tuvok will not keep his voice down about this very personal thing they're discussing. Yeah. I, I was like, I was pulling away from the TV like, <laughs> and they're like people walking through them as they talk. If I were Kim, I would be shrinking into a Jeffrey's tube here. Wanting yeah. Tuvok to keep it down. Tuvok diagnoses Harry as suffering from something called Shanhalvak, which is Vulcan for love at first sight, a, a terrible thing to experience. The most intense and psychologically perilous form of Eros. Mm. Love is the disease and Tuvok is the cure. <laughs> and, uh, and they're going to work together to, uh, to get Harry right with this situation. Our first stop is the holodeck where... They find Neelix preparing for tonight's big luau. Yeah. Everyone's excited about this luau. Yeah. That's because luaus are fun. Punched out side brief guy is is there helping out. 
Yeah. Uh, there's tankini babes there helping out. There's people in uniform helping out. Yeah, we've got a we've got side briefs guy on the scene, and also other people packing tiki torches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but tiki torches had not come to signify. I mean, like this is uh, kind of an interesting bit of uh, semiotics that, in retrospect, the signifier has a, a new significance to us, but uh, but it did not at the time. Ben, do you know if you wanted to, and I know you do, almost mm. as much as I do, you could go get surf lessons from the guy who wears the briefs on this show. Right down in Venice Beach. Yeah? He teaches that's, surfing. That's real? Yeah, that's real. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta do that. <laughs> so we could go down there and get a surf lesson and also get some drinks at the bar where Mitch Buchanan likes to drink on Baywatch. Fuck, dude. That's a great day, right? This is the crossover greatest gen factory seconds Santa Monica Mountains bonus episode that the people have been clamoring for. Yeah, it's a triple bang. Oh my god. Yeah. We absolutely have to do this. It would make podcasting history. Okay. Here is the bonus episode that we will do at such time as we reach whatever goal we determine we have for the next Max Fun Drive. Okay. I like it. A crossover episode between the greatest generation. Factory Seconds and Santa Monica Mountain. It's the triple crossover. Featuring us recapping a surf lesson, drinking at the bar that Mitch Buchanan likes to drink at, and then, you know, getting dessert at Cheesecake Factory nearby. Wow. (laughs) That's a concept that can't be beat. Yeah. And it's not too complicated to explain in a pledge break. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, uh... We finally meet Morena. Ready to get your ears wet? And who were you expecting? Because I was not expecting Kristen Wiig. (laughs) Yeah. This actor had a striking resemblance to her that I just could not shake. Yeah. Vicky St. Elmo walks in having just taught Kes how to body surf or whatever. Right. (laughs) It is a bit of a surprise. Did I get you? Yeah. Be honest. Distracting in her similarity, I would say. So initially, you know, Harry is trying to uh, introduce Morena to Tuvok and Harry is being awkward about it and Kes is not picking up on all this stuff. And she's like, what are you training Harry now? I thought you trained me. Like, what are we doing here, Tuvok? And Tuvok is like, you are not in this episode for any more of it. <laughs> Tuvok has to sit them all down for a meeting where he explains the difference between being colleagues and being friends. We're colleagues. Yeah. This is awkward. This is awkward. And uh I had a situation like this. Oh yeah? I went uh Were you on the on the giving or the receiving end of the awkward uh explanation? A little bit of both. Uh I wanna say I think you might have been there. Hmm. But uh, a year or two ago, probably closer to two years, given I'm gesturing broadly this timeline, (laughs) uh, we were out at a restaurant uh, with our friend and power agent and his wife and a few other people of mixed company. Yeah. And I didn't know quite how to 
introduce my friend slash agent. So sometimes yeah. I introduced him to people as an as the agent, as my agent. <laughs> and sometimes I introduced him as my friend. And sometimes yeah. it was a combination of the two. He's a friend who we've like v- vacationed with. Yeah, so. totally. And so like in retrospect, I feel bad every time I introduced him to anyone as my agent. That's tacky and bad. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But also, like, in the context of a few of those conversations, it seemed like it was the way to do it. So yeah. I understand the awkwardness of these social lines being blurred. But, I mean, when you're marooned light years away from home. Mm-hmm. I think I have you beat in this anecdote, Adam. All right. Lay it on me. So Tani Newsom, star of Star Trek Lower Decks, co-host of the official Star Trek podcast. Yeah. I'm familiar. Years ago, before she was uh, involved in any of these things, before she was really a television star, she was at Max FunCon, and our agent was there as well. And I was chatting with her and another comedian about stuff, and I was a little bit drunk at the time, but I uh, got the sense that they thought I was just fangirling out, and I made mention of the fact that my agent was there. (laughs) as as our agent was walking by and i was like here he is right now and i like pulled him over oh, and no. introduced it's i think back on it and just cringe my my ass off like it was like such an awkward moment <laughs> that i was like like i felt un i i felt self-conscious about being like just a fan of the thing that they had come to do i love my agent as a friend and he's yeah. also a great agent but it sucks. It sucks to not know what to call a person at a given time. And that's what's happening here. But Tuvok puts all questions to rest by referring sure. to Kim as a colleague. He does. And uh, Vulcans don't do, Vulcans don't have is a repeat phrase for Tuvok in this episode. He, yeah. he invokes it several times. And the implication here, much to uh, contradict the way that Spock always speaks about Kirk... Tuvok does not like the idea of of it even being implied that he has friendships. I like that you brought up Spock because Spock was always at least a little bit kind in the many moments he had a cutting remark for his human friends. (laughs) Like he could cut like he had a sharp tongue, but also I feel like there was kind of a jokey rhythm to how he would do it. Tuvok comes off as just kind of mean here. That was not an oversight, I assure you. Yeah. But he's also a character that's been shit on by every single person publicly at the workplace over and over again. So maybe maybe he has an axe to grind. If you can dish it out, you need to be able to take it, Harry Kim. I've been working on a manifesto. (laughs) When I'm not playing with my toys in my quarters, I have been writing at great length. I've got to get that platinum so Tuvok's advice is retreat. Yeah. Go away, Harry Kim. Stop uh, putting yourself in the context of being around this hollow lady and your hollow crush will recede. And uh, they get called up to the bridge. And this is the context in which Tuvok explains this to, to Harry. On the bridge, they're dealing with the situation that they had expected from the start, right? This is the sort of nebula that explodes all the time. Like, they were expecting it to have already exploded when they showed up on the scene. This is what these nebulas do. They explode. Yeah. They're born for this. Yeah. 
But uh, they're starting to get the sense that what is going on in this nebula is that when plasma catches fire, it like rips through one section of the nebula and then stops. And they're like, well, if this nebula has some way of causing plasma fires to stop, like we should study it because then anytime there's like a potential warp core breach, we could technologize whatever this natural phenomenon is to stop our own plasma fires aboard the ship. Janeway's like, great idea, but for now, it's luau time. (laughs) Remember that guy that got thrown into that plasma fire in engineering that one time? (laughs) He didn't have to die. We could potentially have the technology to put some sort of railing around that open (laughs) plasma fire that for some reason we keep in engineering. It's an investigation (laughs) worth pursuing. (laughs) But anyways, let's go get wasted on rum. That's an order, everybody. <laughs> Everyone's laughing at Tuvok for not wanting to go. Yeah, Tuvok has to go to the Luau, despite the fact that he's already voiced his disinterest in doing so. It's possible that Tuvok just doesn't have the right Ren Spooner shirt, which I know Paris most definitely does. Yeah, Paris is a uh, is a real dork about the uh, about the Aloha shirt drip that he gets going. I got for Christmas a L.A. Dodgers-themed Ren Spooner shirt. Whoa, fun. It's it's got baseballers and Dodger Stadium and and all of the, like, hot dogs on it. It is (laughs) Dodger dogs. It is ridiculous. (laughs) It's ridiculous, Ben, but it's too big. And my question for you is, can I get this garment tailored? Probably. Does it fit in the shoulders? Is it? I mean, it kind of goes off the shoulders. Like, it's... Pretty big. Here's the thing, Adam. Like, I know they're supposed to wear big, but this yeah. is even big for that. I think you could get it tailored. You can probably exchange it because that's a license that they have and keep, and they don't like stop making those. Um, oh, interesting. I took the tags off, though. I think an Alo- Aloha shirt coming off the shoulders a little bit is not a huge problem. If it comes off the shoulders a ton, I might I might just exchange it. But if it's only a couple of inches, you might just get it tailored. All right. I'm going to see about that. Because I want to wear this thing to a Dodgers game in two years once the baseball lockout ends. <laughs> that would be really fun. Yeah. Um, also looking great on the way to this party is BLT, who is explaining that she and Tom are on their way to pick up uh, Ensign Vorik and Tom is like Vorik why are we getting him we should be getting Harry he's fun to bring to a party he's a fun person to have get in between you and a woman you clearly have interest in I mean obviously your eyes are drawn to Paris's shirt and then conversely what's BLT wearing and so I'm peeping this dress and I'm like what is that mm-hmm. what is she wearing before my mind could put together that it was coral, <laughs> do you remember that show from when you were a kid where those like science teachers wore spandex of their guts? Your body is incredible. <laughs> do you remember this show? Yeah, is it Mr. Body? Is that what Yeah, that I want to say it's like Mr. Goodbody or something. And like it, he and a lady would wear like the inside out spandex. Yeah. I yeah. thought the dress she was wearing was guts. 
<laughs> that would have been Which, fun for the doctor to be wearing. It would have been such a fun Klingon misread of the situation. <laughs> we are cutting loose, I thought. <laughs> like cutting open. Right. <laughs> so they split up and there's a lot of cultural appropriation going on all over this episode, but it's also happening in Harry Kim's room where he's trying to uh, cosplay Tuvok's lifestyle in, in the confines of his own quarters. Right. Uh, it's going to be next to impossible for him to meditate with someone talking at him. Yeah. Paris is uh, not going to take no for an answer. He wants Harry at this luau, come hell or high water. And Harry is definitely broken out of his reverie and into a more party sympathetic state of mind. And he explains to Tom Paris, like, yeah, but like if I go, like I'm going to see Morena and that's gonna you know draw me even closer to her and paris is like dude simping on a hollow babe is something that everyone goes through this was such an interesting moment in the episode and it's what made me want to stay on the story highway instead of taking the exit that we do toward the dark secret of morena like i wanted an episode where crushes on hollow characters are normalized and we kind of see people go through it and the end of them. Yeah. Just get over it. (laughs) It's just a program, Harry. Yeah. Yeah, but we don't get that. Yeah. Instead, it's pineapple shirt time for Harry Kim. (laughs) Tom Harris's solution to this problem is replicate a swinger shirt for Harry (laughs) to wear to the holodeck. (laughs) That's funny. How did you know that? It's weird how the pineapples are oriented uh, right in front of Harry Kim's nipples, like (laughs) facing outward. (laughs) Yeah. This luau looks like a fun party. I gotta say. It does. Everyone's getting laid. Yeah. Except for Tuvok. Marvelous. Get those flowers out of here. Neelix has done his ethnographic research. Yeah. According to Neelix, anyways. (laughs) Tuvok does not want to be laid, but the Doc most definitely does. Here's the scene, Ben. Yeah. Here's the scene where the Doc has directed himself into some smooches. And what's going on here seems pretty pervy, doesn't it? Yeah. And this is the point I wanted to bring up before, is like, I would have a very difficult time suggesting that this is what my character was going to do if I were the director. And if I got the script and it said, this is what my character does in the scene, I would say like, let's change it to something else. Like, how about have me like rotating the pig on the spit or whatever, you know? For the implication, right? Yeah. Yeah. I do like the doc's dialogue though. Like the like, hey, I could really get into this lifestyle of being a hologram that doesn't have to do anything hard. (laughs) How about uh, instead of the makeout scene. There's just a scene where my character enjoys some delicious mixed plate food <laughs> and like maybe gets down on some clue a pig. Yeah. What about some shave ice for the doc? Has, uh, yeah. has, has the writer's room considered that? Maybe my character is just taking a tour of all the fun Hawaiian foods and we, <laughs> and we visit him from time to time as he enjoys them very much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be uncomfortable with that. Yeah. Could the doctor eat as much as he wanted? Oh, yeah. That would be... That would be a, f- a fun <laughs> little uh, comedy subtext to the whole thing. Is like, yeah. once the doc tries food, the doc is obsessed with food. The doc is walking around with a five-gallon bucket full of poi, and he's just <laughs> eating huge spoonfuls of it. 
Yeah, that's a great rewrite. Tuvok expresses his uh, in unwillingness to participate fully in the hang to the captain and Chakotay and wanders off to meet Morena. Uh, and uh, the captain and Chakotay kind of walk off in their own direction, seeming to be a bit of an item. Yeah. Arm in arm. I was wondering what the suggestion was here. Hey, uh, don't fill up on food, you crazy kids. <laughs> Unless you took Dan Savage's advice and uh, took care of business before the luau. Great advice. Tuvok uh, walks up to Morena, who is uh, playing Vulcan Jenga, and uh, she's doing a bad job. So he sits down to mansplain Kalto to her. And uh, not a great look for Tuvok the way he opens this uh, interaction, but she just fucking turns it right back around on him and reads him like a book. Playing alone must get a little predictable sometimes. I dug the shot reverse shot here of what we're seeing because I, th- I think it's rare to get a composition where a character is having fan blades swing into their head the way that <laughs> Tuvok yeah. is, is shot here. Yeah, yeah. I know... Like personally, I had to shoot in a lot of environments where stuff like this was moving around and I was al- I would always avoid a shot like this. Yeah. Because it was so distracting, but it's an interesting look here for that reason. Like you don't get a lot of fans on Star Trek in general, so I guess why not include it in the shot? You get fans of Star Trek, but you yeah. never get fans on Star Trek. Um yeah. I just uh, I just wanted to say how much I appreciated moving the air around in the luau scene in Star Trek Voyager Season 3, Episode 14. So uh, not so much of a question, just more of a comment. I'm also wanting to let everyone know I'll be signing 8x10 pictures uh, over at my booth. Get a light. Glossies of the fam. Yeah. <laughs> Morena suggests, and she really lays it on here, Tuvok could use a playing partner. Yeah. And also utterly takes apart Tuvok's weird self-own about not participating in the luau. I think you're trying to isolate yourself. Yeah. I mean, specifically the luau, but also socializing in general. Yeah, he showed up to a non-work event in his work clothes and is refusing to cut loose and... uh she can see right through this and and the way that she describes this to him really really just tears him apart you know the way to make it look like it's not a big deal is to actually act like it's not a big deal to rock <laughs> but everything about the way he's presented himself here is calling that kind of attention to himself yeah i love that uh that her her dunk uh, only draws him closer to her though yeah and uh he sits down and decides to play a bit of jenga with her Tuvok, like me, very attracted to people who are mean to him. Tom Paris, like me, very attracted to beverages that are served inside of giant hollowed-out pineapples. Am I making any sense here? And uh, he brings a couple over, gives one to BLT, keeps one for himself, gets right in between her and and Ensign (laughs) Varric. Are these real pineapples, or are are they uh, drinkware that looks frighteningly lifelike? Uh, I'm guessing it is the latter. They look great. They do look good. These are the props that I would want to buy. Wow. Fake pineapples used on screen in Star Trek. Wouldn't that be great? That would be fun. 
Hey, here's a question. Did Vorik change his hair? He's very he's looking very Biebery in this episode. Yeah. He's making an effort in a couple of ways, not just in the hair department. He's thought way ahead. It's it's going to take more than just bringing a drink to BLT to get her attention when Vorik is in the room. And uh, what he's gone and done is made a reservation for the two of them over at uh, one of the tables that overlooks the lake, which he knows she likes because she said it offhand in a meeting like three weeks ago. It's kind of creepy. I've also had the chef prepare... Hawaiian-style gach, which is <laughs> regular gach with Canadian bacon and pineapple. <laughs> What's weird is the gach eats the pineapple and Canadian bacon <laughs> if you leave it too long. Shall I have him add slices of jalapeno, or do you prefer a milder Hawaiian-style gach? This is crazy. Paris just being left as the third wheel? Yeah. Poor Paris. Poor guy. Like, he's used to it with Harry, but yeah. to get this done to him by Vorik is pretty brutal. Also, way to go, Vorik. Yeah, way to go, Vorik. Uh, way to go, B-Dunks, with the take that he gets at the end of yeah. this scene. The single on him is really funny. Great B-Dunks <laughs> moment here, for sure. There she goes. <laughs> you see what happens when you listen during a conversation, Ben? Hmm. You get to do nice things for other people, like Vorik. Yeah. Or, uh, like, mean things to other people, like Tuvok, who uh, <laughs> Harry sees across the party hanging out with Morena. Yeah. Paris comes up to him, and he's like, hey, man, let's uh, cut loose like a deuce. And Harry is like, nope, I'm up in my feelings now, and I gotta go. Yeah. He tears off his pineapple shirt and throws it in the fire. He fucking dunks it. Yeah. Elliptically, we rejoin Tuvok and Arena having a conversation that they have in kind of a Days of Thunder vernacular. (laughs) (laughs) Like almost word for word. Yeah. They've stayed up all night talking to each other. Yeah. And the luau seems to be over because no one is there and all the food is gone. But uh, Morena's still thirsty as hell. Please stay. She really is. And... uh... The chemistry between them uh, seems to be growing. They're getting to know each other, talking about control, talking about imagination, talking about sailing. There is nothing wrong with window shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about the illusion of control. You infantile egomaniac, nobody knows what's going to happen next. It's stimulating both of them, and uh, it's it's getting pretty hot and heavy. There's like hands-on-chests kind of energy going on. Yeah. No doubt. He has to get the fuck out of there. Like, this is a self-defense bug out for Tuvok, because he's got a lady and kids at home. I must return to my quarters. It is late. I must go. Good night, Morena. (laughs) And when he turns and leaves, we're left with a single on Morena, and the expression is malevolence here. Like, this is the moment where you know something's up. Very much like my suck disc game is working exactly as planned. Right. And with Tuvok outside, he sort of turns off the program with relief or as close as what Tuvok can get to relief. Yeah. So that day, they are up on the bridge, everybody. And they're like, cool. Well, we got everything we need from this nebula scans wise. Harry Kim is going to take lead on figuring out why these plasma fires burn and then stop burning. 
and uh, let's head home. Let's let's head back to the A Quad, guys. What do you say? Yeah, we can do all this work while we're underway. All right, fire up that engine, Tom Paris. Take her home. And uh, we whip over to Paris at the controls, and he bangs his fists on the panel. <laughs> Janeway asks <laughs> asks him to hit the pedal on the metal again, and he's like, "I can't." Yeah, and uh, Keenan Thompson walks in and he says, "This happens to every man after 40. <laughs> Don't worry about it." <laughs> One of the amazing things about making the Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of Desoto make. When we do a Code 47 episode, people send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and. They send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful. No matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. 
topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Our course is locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. Do it. In engineering, we get uh, version three of Ensign Vorex hair. Yeah. Now fully blow dried. Fully beebered. Looking great. I just sat watching my TV and I said, what is this, beepers? Yeah. Kim has been ordered down to engineering to figure out what the problem is with the engines. And he just continues to eat shit at work. My name's Harry. Read me like a book, Kim. And he's feeling bad about it. Yeah. And he's feeling bad about how BLT can sense how fucked up he is about Morena. Like, there's two forces at work smashing Kim's balls. It's his yeah. own feelings about himself and Morena, and it's everyone else making him feel self-conscious about it. Yeah. He's now feeling jealousy because he saw Tuvok interacting with her, which sits on top of the crush and just makes him all the more distracted. BLT's like, you are actually no help to me here. I mean, at least at least Vorik listens. You're just off in your own world. Yeah, you might as well not even be at work right now. That's how, how good of work you're doing. Have you ever done such a bad job at work that your boss just kind of sent you home? Why don't you take a break? I can handle it from here. This is the third ball kick. Yeah, yeah. BLT's like, all right, I guess you, you're better off leaving. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually worse than having someone here helping. The one time I got sent home for being bad at work was because I had that third degree sunburn on the back of my hands from yeah. cutting up limes and riding my bike to the beach. Yeah. My boss was like, this is disgusting. No one wants to look at this. Go home. Yeah. My bosses at the grocery store did not send me home when I had third degree sunburns on my chest and feet. I'm pretty sure I told that story on the show. Many years ago. Oh, man. I don't remember that. The tops of my feet got blistered, like giant water-filled blisters from being sunburned because I didn't put sunscreen on the tops of my feet. Yeah. That's what I had on my hands. I had to put those feet in socks and shoes and go work at a grocery store. (laughs) And I was not sent home, even though I was in great pain. Fucking. Yeah. Give me a break. Solidarity with grocery store workers. Seriously. So, Ended Kim is headed home to uh, punch one out, presumably, but instead he diverts himself to the holodeck where he sees Morena and he, he's marching up to her and realizes that she is, in fact, playing Kalto with Tuvok. Enjoying yourselves. Tuvok tries to defend his actions here, but there is no defense for not telling your bud that you're hanging out with his crush. Yeah, this is this is bad. Yeah. And kind of an interesting moment for Tuvok because it is clear that Tuvok knows how much he has harmed Kim in this moment because he mm-hmm. is like, he is up on his feet, you know, pleading with Kim. Both Ki and Morena are like, we didn't do anything wrong. And, and Kim is like, I'm not mad at you, Morena. You're a program. Tuvok is a fucking colleague and supposed to be my friend. And instead he is fucking me over here. And Tuvok gets really defensive. Yeah, Tuvok wraps his hands around Kim's throat and chokes him against a wall until he dies. And it turns out this is another one of Tuvok's programs (laughs) where he just takes out his anger on people. 
Yeah. A lot like the Neelix program he's got. Exactly. Is there any member of the crew that, that you don't choke out for fun, Tuvok? Yeah. Tuvok is like protesting his innocence so fervently that he deletes the Morena program. It's what they should have done to begin with. It's yeah. what I thought Kim would do when Tuvok first suggested distance as a solution to the problem. Yeah. You know what's great distance? Take the folder out of your tax documents, drag it to the recycle bin, and hit empty recycle bin. <laughs> that works every time. It's yeah. like what you did by deleting the Twitter app off your phone. Now yeah. Twitter can't hurt you. Nope. It just hurts me in different ways. <laughs> yeah. So Harry Kim is like, hey, listen, dude, like damage done. I'm not accepting this as an apology and I'm out of here. So... uh he marches off and we cut back to the bridge where the ship is still unable to get out of this nebula. It's an awkward scene because uh, Kim and Tuvok are back at work and they're just glaring at each other at their stations. Yeah. This would have been a great opportunity for them to get on that like Soto Voce point to point radio with each other again. Yeah. It's a little sad that that didn't happen, but uh Yeah. Kim feeling very betrayed, Tuvok feeling justified, but, uh, you know, conscious of the fact that he's hurt his friend somehow. They're kind of wharfing back there, aren't they? Like, I wonder if there's any professional jealousy from Tuvok and Kim's bridge stations towards anyone else's bridge stations as the only ones that have to stand. (laughs) Do they have like high stools back there? I don't know. I don't think so. I mean, they have they have modesty screens in front of where their legs are. So I don't I don't know that we'll ever be able to know that. Yeah, I don't know. How do you feel about it? Because you have a high chair in your office. I, I'm I sit, standing right now. I I always stand for the show. And I sit like a gentleman. Yeah. I mean, you sit for most things. Yeah. Like when you use the bathroom. I'm a passive man. Yeah. And I don't like splashing. You're fucking peeing on your shoes. I'm bettering my mind. It's more comfortable. When you get up during the night, you don't have to turn the light on and wake up, and you get to read. The one thing the ship can use to leave the area of the nebula is the thrusters, which is a coincidence because thrusting is all Kim and Tuva can think about lately. <laughs> And it's also not a very fast way to get around. So it's going to take them a day to pull the ship all the way out of the nebula so that they can hopefully get their engines back online. And so they've got some time to have Morena still be around (laughs) while they deal with, while they wait for the, uh, the thrust to get them clear. What a nightmare. Yeah. So Tuvok heads back to his quarters and is surprised to find Morena in there in a Starfleet uniform wearing the doctor's mobile emitter. This suggests that any holodeck character could wear the doctor's mobile emitter and leave, right? Yeah, I guess if they got it in their head to do so. And this is what made the scene with the doctor earlier making out with the two people at the luau feel kind of dangerous, right? Because if the doc is there, could any hollow character take that off of him? I don't know. Yeah. I wanted to know what happened in Six Bay. Was there any kind of struggle? Did he protest? Does he have any power over the mobile emitter? I also wanted to know when Morena put that thing on her shoulder and marched up to Tuvok's room, 
how nobody else saw her and wasn't like, who the fuck are you? There's only like 125 people on the ship and I have seen all of their faces. You know what this scene also confirms is that when the doctor goes to the holodeck to bang, he has to leave his shirt on. <laughs> I mean, but then he can he can take it off when he gets to the holodeck, right? Because he doesn't need the emitter in the holodeck. Oh, I guess so. Yeah. That's probably where he likes to do it then. Tuvok feels super violated by the fact that she let herself into his apartment. And despite how sprung he is off of her, he does not let that go. I love how quickly Tuvok hits the panic button. This is great. I did not like the response time from security, though. Security does take a little while to get there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, by the time, you know, like she explains, like, you didn't really mean to delete me, so I remained undeleted. <laughs> Just went to, went to six bay. But uh, when security gets there, she she vanishes and the mobile emitter falls to the carpet and we smash cut to a McLaughlin group. Issue one. Where they agree that sentient computer programs have happened before, like Moriarty. Cogito ergo sum. Yeah. And I don't know who asked this question, but one of them's like, don't we have one of those boxes? That they yeah. had on the D, we can just put Morena into the box and then put that box on a shelf somewhere and be content that the problem's solved. Neon yellow, kind of isolinear looking thing. Remember that box? We got one of those, right? We, we studied this case at the Academy. We've got to have that box on board. Yeah. Yeah. The Moriarty box. They will live their lives and never know any difference. Got to get one. This scene is really brutal for Harry Kim because... They start to talk about like, yeah, well, she likes Tuvok way more than she likes Harry, mm-hmm. but also she showed up like right around the same time as we got to this nebula. She finds me more charming than Harry Kim, <laughs> more interesting, more humorous even. <laughs> she says that I am the total package. She says I can get it. That would seem to be self-evident. Zora was never treated with this much suspicion on Discovery, but they realize that they have a real problem on their hands if this lady can just kind of get anywhere she wants to on the ship. And uh, I love how Janeway just fucking stares at Tuvok after he says all this. Did you notice this take? (laughs) She is locked on and angry. And her, her motivation is... So intense to destroy this thing and get it off of her ship. Yeah. There's coffee in the source of our mysterious malfunctions. As if she has something to hide in her own program that she is very concerned about getting out in a similar way. Yeah. My quasi-supernatural Jane Eyre fuck program would never do something like this. She does not want Jane Eyre on Maine. That's for sure. (laughs) So... A dustbuster club is dispatched to the holodeck of all places, and it's BLT, Paris, and Tuvok on the scene. Yeah. And it's the same luau program. Yeah. It's the party running in sort of nightmare mode where they've got to try to isolate the Morena program inside the holodeck, and the holodeck characters are sort of like the Borg initially ignoring their presence, but the second they become a threat, the characters all turn on them. My favorite part of this was uh, BLT getting choked out with a lay. Like yeah. the idea that a garland of flowers would also be like strong enough to be a garret. <laughs> it's very funny. The characters wearing the masks also uh, present as like 
ordinarily present as something fun and interesting and now yeah. are like <laughs> terrifying and dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a mask that was really similar to this in that Michael McKean Nightmare yeah. Carnival episode. Yeah, it did remind me of that. Yeah, it was a very fun Star Trek fight. I, I can't think of a Star Trek fight in this entire era that involves people swinging like flaming sticks at each other. <laughs> it's a dangerous feeling fight. Until yeah. Paris finally shoots the computer panel that BLT was working on. Yeah, and it disappears the holodeck character that was trying to choke her out. It it drops. There was like a force field erected between Tuvok and Paris. There's a, a very interesting fight scene, and they basically like barely make it out of this thing in one piece. Worf would never allow himself to be choked out by flowers. Like he would commit <laughs> ritual Klingon suicide after that, I think. <laughs> yeah. The hostile luau and the they run back up to the bridge where the, the ship is, is now getting bangers dropped on it. The uh filaments of plasma in this nebula are lighting on fire and uh Morena is fighting back. Morena discovered to be on a ship out there. Yeah, they realize that there's a subspace signal that's connecting to the holodeck that's coming from a space station or a ship somewhere deep in the nebula. And that is the source of their problem. So they got to figure out what's going on with it. And this is when Morena hails the ship. Morena, <laughs> Morena comes on the PA and goes Chakotay's crazy girlfriend on Tuvok. And this gets Chakotay <laughs> to be like, See? It happens to everyone. <laughs> Chicote's off the hook for now, right? Yeah, yeah. This isn't uh this isn't going to be Chicote's problem, but it is Tuvok's problem. Morena's like, "And I'm pregnant, Tuvok." Chicote's <laughs> like, "Ey." I know that feels, brother. <laughs> Ooh, that's tough. She says Tuvok has to come down to the holodeck or else. Yeah. This has become a two-fostage situation. Perfect. God, so great. Really nice. So he heads down there, and Morena's back. She's looking great in her beachy dress. <laughs> I love her idea. Her idea is like, hey, you could stay here on the holodeck forever. <laughs> and Tuvok's like, no way. You go on vacation to learn to appreciate the things in your day-to-day -day life yeah. to pause and reflect. And hopefully by the time your vacation is over, you are eager to return to the normal flow of life. I enjoy eating a plate lunch from time to time, but every day would cause me great distress. I appreciate the amount of dietary fiber in poi, but it is not my favorite food. You know, I'm really easy to get along with. Most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. On the bridge, BLT and Kim are, are working behind the scenes to wreck this plan, coincidentally. And on the holodeck, Morena is really sure that Tuvok is going to stay with her, yeah. given no evidence that that's the case. Yeah. And uh, she is shocked, absolutely stunned when he taps his communicator and triggers a transport and we cut to a dark space station where a pretty bumpy transport materializes to Vak. Facing the wall. 
Facing the wrong direction. <laughs> Which I feel like, like that was Kim, right? That's Kim being intentional, <laughs> like looking, looking to embarrass him. Beam you over there, <laughs> facing the wall. <laughs> Tuvok's comm badge doesn't work, and he finds Morena threatening to destroy the Voyager with the Nebula's power. This has been her job. She's been yeah. working on this ship, and she's the only employee on the station, and her only job is to stop the Nebula from exploding. She's uh, kind of scaly. She's kind of a reptilian species, and she's like, like, listen, I'm kind of a hermit, you know? I'm a loner. I'm a weird loner, but you're a weird loner, and we could be weird loners together. Why don't you join me? You could join me here working a shift as a dead man switch operator. <laughs> yeah, I just got to punch these numbers in yeah. every few hours. Yeah, that's it. It's easy. <laughs> it's easy. You could hire your friends and family to work shifts too, if you want. <laughs> Keeping the nebula from exploding is her job. Yeah. And uh, she does it because it's like a beloved sightseeing attraction for her species, I guess. Yeah. The way she puts it is kind of sad. Like day after day, she watches ships come and enjoy the nebula. And then she creeps into their computers yeah. And she's like, you know, the Voyager computers are the best ones of all. Yeah. She has a parasocial relationship with the idea of Tuvok without knowing the real thing, huh? Wow. Yeah. And uh, has projected a lot of expectations onto the avatar of Tuvok that she has created in her mind. Yeah. And to her credit, is able to hear it when Tuvok kind of expresses his his real lived individuality to her. Yeah, Tuvok goes, uh, if you love Tuvok, you must set him free. <laughs> and also, like, maybe you should explore the fact that being alone doesn't seem to agree with you, and you should see if you could get somebody else to, like, swap into the position. I... I love this angle. Yeah. The whole like, I have not known you that long, but it seems <laughs> as though you are a workaholic. Do better, Morena. Maybe the most interesting part of all is like as Tuvok beams away, she's like, so I'm going to take some time off work, but what about you? You fucking yeah. hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, as was established early in this episode, there is a theme of if you can dish it out, you should be able to take it. Right. And that gives us Tuvok's log. Yeah. As the capper here, the ship's fine. Ship's back on course. And uh, Tuvok is appreciating his old post-vacation routines. Yeah. But uh, fixing the relationship with Kim has yet to be done. He takes his board game set down to um, the holodeck where Kim is hanging out, reading his iPad in the luau set. And Tuvok invites Kim to play Kalto as his opening gambit. And Kim is like, uh, I don't really play Kalto with dickheads. <laughs> also, why does this Kalto board stink? Tuvok's like... <laughs> I stick the Kalto sticks into my urethra. <laughs> it is an ancient Vulcan technique known as sounding. From the age of five, I took lessons from a master. It centers the mind, <laughs> focuses you on a single point in space. <laughs> that point being the hellfire that the tip of my penis feels like. 
<laughs> Boy, Tuvok lays an apology on Harry Kim here that is like Larry from Curb level. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Holy shit, what an apology. Yeah. This is me apologizing. Yeah, it's really tremendous. Apology accepted. Good job, Tuvok really owns his failure and honors the harm that he has done to Kim in one sentence. And uh, Kim is like, all right, I'll play your fucking Jenga game with you or whatever. You can tell someone is sincerely apologetic when they make sure to mention how much they miss the work they used to do with you. <laughs> and and also when a uh, babe in a tankini shows up to see if she can invite herself in to the game and and they say like no fuck off I'm playing with my friend yeah that's the ep leave us alone strange lady strange beauty hey here's a tip Kim and Tuvok you need to be ordering some food if you're just gonna yeah. be playing a game in a booth in a restaurant look man you either order or you can get out of here. Yeah, you think she came up there for her health? She needs to earn a tip. God. She's not getting paid enough by the restaurant. Especially at a resort. Fucking jerks. Yeah, better be tipping. Yeah. God, bad look for both of them. You know what? Order the big pina colada. The yeah. one that's like 16 bucks, the, the double size. Order something you can pick at, like a big thing of finger foods or whatever. Yeah. Big nachos. Yeah, something that you can eat with a fork you know, not chicken wings because you're playing Calto and you don't want to get Frank's red hot onto yeah. the fucking yeah. thing that Tuvok sticks in his dong. You don't want to get hot sauce in your urethra. A common error among novice players. This is one reason that Tuvok is very enthusiastic about the modern plastic version of Calto, though. Right, yeah. <laughs> Dishwasher safe. Wood addition was no good for the <laughs> other thing I use this for. <laughs> Uh, I like the updated Calto game, Ben, but did you like this episode? Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Uh, I did like this episode. I uh, I agree with you that there was a, a very interesting episode implied for the first third or so that we didn't get. Yeah. That I think also would be a very fun Star Trek episode, but... While I saw Morena being an external force coming from the moment she showed up on screen, basically, I thought it was a very interesting treatment of that idea. And mm -hmm. like the reveal didn't need to be the main interest in the episode because the kind of emotional authenticity of the story mm -hmm. wound up serving that function. And it's so fun when this show finds a way to tell a story about emotional authenticity through the character that eschews emotion the most. Right. And um, yeah, I overall really liked it. I thought it was like maybe a bit mean to Harry as a character, but other than that, a really interesting episode. And I got to say like a very fun episode from a camera positioning and movement standpoint, you know, when a, when an actor gets behind the camera that is not always the place where they shine as a director, but I thought this was really nicely directed both from a technical and from a performance standpoint by Robert Picardo. Agree. I mean, I wonder to what extent Robert Picardo spends so much time on one set that if you kind of see the bridge set with fresh eyes, if you're yeah. him as a director, and that's why you get some of these compositions as you got them here. Yeah. How about you? Did you like the episode? I like the episode too. I think- 
One of the visual things I wanted to call attention to, Ben, in addition to all the compositional ones that you noted, was like the exterior shots of the ship, I thought were really moody and interesting and new looking in this episode. Yeah. It seems like they kind of punched up how the exteriors looked. Yeah, they're like rendering it more dark and mysterious almost. You're getting different angles and you're getting some different shadows and sometimes you're getting the ship filling the frame entirely. I like I like their work here. I like the episode for all the reasons you stated. I do want to call attention to Sandra Nelson's work. She's the actor who plays Morena. Yeah. I think she does one of the rare swimsuit to loaf transformations <laughs> in Star Trek. <laughs> and I think that's hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she does a lot of things here. And I think we've gotten this type of episode before. Uh, Malevolent Crush episode is like I'm thinking of of the episode in TNG where Picard is marooned on that planet with the crazy lady who lives in the trailer. Right. And, uh, and wants him to stay forever. And, you know, Sandra Nelson does not play this character like she's in misery. You know, like it, it's not that deranged. Right. She's desperate but not in that kind of way. And I thought the choices she made here were really good and interesting because it could have easily been a crazy projection where the reality was far more interesting, just a a lonely projection. Yeah. Did you notice that her fingers were super long, by the way? (laughs) As a human or as an alien? As the alien character. No. Uh, and, and it reminded me of the Sarjenka character in Pen Pals, <laughs> which is another episode that this sort of evokes. Yeah. Uh, the Nikki call. Cox as Sarjenka. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the rare finger prosthetic that doesn't look like a dog dick. Yeah. Yeah. It can be done. It's possible. Well, Adam, do you want to see if uh, there are any dog dicks in the Priority One inbox? Oh, yeah. More than half the time. That's what we find here. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. What we have is a our first priority one message here is from Zach Brager. And it's to anybody. And it goes like this. Man, when I started doing these P1s this morning, I thought for sure that I'd have that magic 10 in the bag. Now I'm like number five, and I can't think of anything to say or ask. Uh, Hmm. Oh, hey, Ben and Adam, if you're ever passing through Utah, hit me up. I don't work anywhere cool, but I know all the best places to eat. My treat. Smile emoji. Boy, I mean, passing through Utah is basically all I've ever done. W slash R slash T, Utah. (laughs) I'm in and out of that airport, basically. Yeah, yeah. I've been to the SLC airport many times. I've spent a little bit of time. I went to uh, Sundance one year, so I spent a little bit of time in Park City, which was really cool. But um, from what I understand, totally different from what Park City is like Mm -hmm. any other time when it isn't Sundance. Fair amount of uh, FODs in Salt Lake and uh, environs. Yeah. Maybe that's uh, a place we should consider. We should. We should try and do a live show there sometime. Yeah. Probably not this tour because we're uh, we're being really limited with the, with the tour that we're doing at the moment. I don't know about that, Ben. Zach Brager says, my treat. Oh. So I think if he's able to put together a live show there, I'd... <laughs> okay. 
We should put him together with our agent. Yeah. Uh, you know, if I could look our agent in the eye. Wrong, Ben. I'm going to put him together with my friend. <laughs> well, we'll see if we can make it work. Ben, our second priority one message is from Julie, and it is to Ben. The message oh. goes like this. Ben, this is my attempt to rival your creative gift ideas. I hope you're wow. surprised and are excited being mentioned on your favorite podcast. In case this isn't broadcast near your birthday, happy every holiday. Wow. I'm excited to see what 37 has in store for us. I love you and I like you, Julie. <laughs> also, Eleanor says cat. And in parentheses, it says, and whatever else she says now. I thought this was to me, but it sounds like it's to another Ben. Yeah. Yeah, not all Bens are you. This is something I'm constantly telling you. Yeah. Off mic. You know, our our attorney's name is Ben, Adam. Uh, <laughs> our attorney and our friend? Uh, <laughs> he was like my, my wife's law school professor, so he's really more our attorney. <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't just assume. I actually spoke with our attorney about a matter not related to uh, Uxbridge Shimoda stuff earlier this week, and he said, I think it's a shame that we only ever talk when you're in trouble. <laughs> well, that's nice to hear. Yeah, it was, it was nice to hear, but uh, yeah. Well, priority one messages are nice to hear. Happy, uh, happy 37, Ben. I'm sorry you're not me. But uh, it sounds like you're doing even better than me because you've got Julia and Eleanor. I'm glad Ben is not burdened by being you and is instead <laughs> enjoying a 37th birthday. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think we only missed Ben's birthday by a month. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of a record for us. That's because Julie was probably on the ball. Yeah, Julie thought ahead. And if you'd like to think ahead, uh, set up a Priority One message by going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. It's 100 bucks for a personal message and 200 for a commercial message. Both of which go a long, long way to supporting the production of our show. They do. Hey, Adam. It's that, Ben. Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! Yeah, I mean, in the way that false confidence, that unearned confidence can get you into trouble, Tuvok mm. should know better. Tuvok can recite the book on human emotions backwards and forwards. True. Tuvok can relationship explain to Kim in the corridor all he wants, but he can't predict that his time spent with Morena is going to hurt Kim's feelings. What? Yeah. Pretty big blind spot there, Tuvok. Yeah. I mean, I think that there is an interesting story being told in a very subtle way about that in this episode, the way that Tuvok is so defensive when he realizes how hurt Kim is yeah. and Kim walks in and finds that Tuvok doing Jenga with Morena. The most logical thing for him to do would be to see his error and apologize. Yeah, but he's up in his feelings in that moment in a way yeah. that is very uncharacteristic for him. Yeah, so Tuvok's my Shimoda. What about you? Wow. I'm going to give it to the doctor. The doctor uh, seeing how the other half lives and uh, thinking the grass is greener. <laughs> yeah. A very funny, weird moment and uh, a little bit a little bit cringe, but uh, I thought kind of a uh, an interesting thing that the doctor is just noticing this now because he has spent a lot of time in the holiday. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have to be specifically related to what he's doing here, but the idea of... The doc just turning totally 
Bacchanalian with every possible interest outside of Six Bay <laughs> is a really interesting angle to take. Yeah. Yeah. What if he becomes such a hedonist that he becomes useless to the crew as a physician? Is Bacchanalian just having to do with drinking? Did I mean hedonism? I think, I, no, I, think, I think Bacchanalian works. All right. Well, yeah. I just mean in all things. Characterized by or given to drunken revelry. Hmm. He's, he's, he's engaged in drunken revelry. Overconsumption. That's what I, I hope the doc gets into. Because it's not going to hurt him. I think you used it appropriately. All right. I, I got one right. Yeah. You love to hear it. I would love to hear how we're going to experience the next episode of The Greatest Generation, Ben. For that, I'm going to go over to gawk.biz slash game. Yeah, well, it's my role today, buddy. So slow your roll a little bit. Well, I want to know where the runabout is. And that's the only way to find out. Why don't you find out where the runabout is? I got to find out what the description of the next episode is. Uh, the next episode is season three, episode 15. Coda, Captain Janeway, repeatedly dies after she and Chakotay crash into a planet in what appears to be a time loop. Soon, her deceased father appears and tells her that she is dead and must accept her situation and move on. <laughs> hey, Kathy, you're dead. <laughs> That's what Q told Picard Yeah, in that one episode. RSVP, Captain Janeway. I would suspect Q if we didn't just get a Q episode. Yeah. Uh, well, our runabout is on square 47. Two spaces ahead is that uh, space butthole that would take us down to the Coco No-No on the second row. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's the only thing we can hit. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and roll this bone. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Oh, my God, Adam. I hit it. Hey, good job. I rolled a two. Right on down to the second row where we belong. This is a misaligned Coco No-No. It should have been this episode by rights. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense that we're doing it next episode, but next episode will indeed be a Coco No-No, and we are back where we belong on the second row of the game of buttholes, the will of the caretaker. Yeah. Order has been restored. Fuck. Good job. Good job, game. <laughs> God damn it. On a day where we're recording two episodes. Would it kill us to hit one of these Delta Flyer squares and go up instead of down? Nope. Never going to do it. Oh, my God. Instead, we'll be recording that episode and an episode after. So it's really Fuck. getting value for the Coconono, I think. Yeah, yeah. If you like dumb episodes by us where we've been drinking, <laughs> get ready to belly up to that bar. Yeah. We're going to be tying one on with each other a second time in less than a week, Adam. Perfect. Get used to that. Also get used to uh, thanking the great Wendy Pretty, the producer of this program. She also produces The Greatest Discovery, our other show uh, here on MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org, a great podcast network that enables shows like ours to exist through listener support. We really appreciate everyone that sets up a membership at gach.biz slash join or maximumfund.org slash join got the uh, max fund drive coming up real soon as of this episode max fund drive is april 25th is when it starts yeah 
And you heard this episode, what the goal is going to be. Yeah, we figured it out. <laughs> the best combination, the Thruple Show podcast. It's going to be amazing. I hope somebody writes that down because neither of us is going to remember. You know what we shouldn't do? We shouldn't eat and drink and then take the surf lesson, right? That's the wrong oh, order. Yeah. <laughs> we want to do the surf lesson first. Right. And right. then fill up on the food and bev. Yeah. Sounds like a real hell of an episode. Yeah. Man, well, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to all of it. We got to thank Bill Tilly, the card daddy who runs the at Greatest Trek social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. Follow those accounts for updates about the show and updates about live shows and memes and jokes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, tickets are on sale for our upcoming live shows, which are coming up in just a couple of weeks. The date this episode drops, come and see us live. Strap on a mask. Do it. Have some fun with FODs. Yeah. Hope we see uh, Adam Ragusia out there on the trail. That'd be fun. Adam Ragusia, responsible for so much of the great music on the show. Yeah. Uh, Dark Materia, responsible for the music you're hearing right now under these words. Uh, Little Birdie told me Adam Ragusia might be getting into the podcast space. Mm. And uh, mm. going to be looking out for that, like just another area to dominate for him. So cool. I was a big fan of the pub podcast that he used to host. It was a public media podcast, and uh, that was pre-Ragusia celebrity status, though. It, it really was. Yeah, I'm glad he's getting back into the game. He is very good at it. Well, with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and an episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that is our signal that we are dead and we must accept our situation and move on. I've thought that for a long time. I've thought that since March of 2020. (laughs) Is this forever? Org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.